What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Bike Racing Weekly. My name is Rick, your host, and I'm here with my co-host. Hey, guys, this is Ryan. And we are back from a, a short hiatus, so maybe bike racing bi-weekly because we took a little bit of a week off. You could call it our mid-season, mid-summer break. We did get some good reception from our live podcast. Had some good, uh, quite a bit of downloads. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely a, uh, a pretty neat experience to be able to do that. Um, and people liked it. You know, people thought it was pretty neat. It had a cool mix of like what was going on in the background and then our general commentary. So if you haven't checked that episode out yet, I think that was episode eight live. Uh, I believe, I think it's nine. Episode eight or nine. This might be our 10th episode. Oh, wow. 10 episodes. We really made it, didn't we? Yeah. We're getting there. To be honest, I I wasn't sure if we'd actually make it to 10. I kind of had in my head like... 10 episodes and then maybe see how we, how we like it and I'm going to double check on 10. All right, all right. But yeah, anybody if the if you want to go back and check out that episode, it's uh, live at the Tour of America's Dairyland, Giro de Grafton. So that was pretty cool. Can um, confirm by the way, 10 episodes. This is number 10. 10. Wow. 10. All right, well, for anybody still listening, yeah, you guys made it. You Downloads know? are going up. They're going up. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're getting Whoever, views. Whoever's out there, Listens. we we really appreciate it. Um, so yeah, well, enough of us rambling about uh, the past stuff. Uh, we can kind of get into what we've been doing. Yeah, what you been up to, Rick? Uh, I have been racing my bike a little bit, riding my bike a lot a bit. Um, so we, the weekend after Grafton, we actually did another weekend of the Tour of America's Dairyland, uh, the Downer Avenue Criterium and the East Tosa Grand Prix. Both were were fun races. Yeah. Hard races. Hard for races. Sure, yeah. For sure. And then the weekend after that, we were also both at the Wisconsin State Criterium Championships, mm-hmm. which was really cool in Fitchburg. It was well, I guess it was called the Fitchburg Festival of Speed. But I was uh, just kind of expecting it to be like just uh, uh, whatever office office park crit with like the title of Wisconsin State Championship. But they actually had like live music there. They had it gated off on most of the course or a good amount of the course, at least the big corners. So it's kind of nice to have like a little bit more production value at like what's normally kind of a, a local race for us. Yeah, I was pretty impressed by it. They actually had barriers just because um yeah the 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 organization that put it on puts on like race events like the day, that same day they had a, like a 5k 10k um a mile they a, run a, they had something called a thousand dollar mile yeah where they they were giving away like winner a thousand, had, yeah winner thousand got a thousand dollars yeah they should do that for like a like a, a bike race like a thousand dollar lap a uh, one lap they do standing start dead start oh i was yeah. gonna say did they, they wait did they do that over the weekend well i mean they give out thousand dollar premiums no uh, not necessarily the same, the same thing, thing. <laughs> kind of i guess i don't know but yeah it was it was a really cool event um and that's kind of like the mid i i consider that like the mid or late mid season break in wisconsin for roads for road racing yeah right now toad kind of wraps it up and then they have state yes. crits if you're yeah. gonna do intelli intelli's there yeah for us in wisconsin we have a couple races in august and that's kind of it i guess um i'm gonna be going down to the intelligentsia cup in chicago chicagoland area and I'm actually working the event. Um, That's going to be fun. Yeah, with the production. So I'm going to be working it and racing it. We'll see how I'm that pretty, goes. I'm, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. A little bit, yeah. Well, I mean, you you guys had all these experience with working. It's kind of like working on the traveling circus. Like, you're tearing everything pretty down. Much. You're putting everything yeah. up. 
And you're uh, the clowns. And you're the clowns, yeah. And you and they, they, they let you feel like you can race when you don't get any sleep and you're doing manual labor all day, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah, you think you live like a pro. You're like, oh, I'm racing the entire yeah. tour. And then you realize, no, this is not like being it's a not, pro. It's not racing. It's more just like you can be in the bike race if you want to we'll be. We'll allow you to be in the bike race if you do a lot of manual labor for us. Yeah, which I'm okay with. That's yeah. fine. At this yeah. point in my life... I don't know if I could afford to be there without this sweet gig. Right, so and we've I'm had for it. we've had people be successful in the race while working. Yeah, our friend Tommy, a friend of the podcast, mm-hmm. former guest. Uh, I think it was two years ago. He was working uh, Toad, and he he almost won the Omnium. I think he took third, third or fourth. No, fourth. fourth. He got beat out yes. on the last day. That's right. Oh, that was a bummer. But yeah, he was he working. Well. So he was doing about six to seven hours of manual labor every day. Plus, those guys were sleeping, like, on average, probably five or six hours a night at the most. Yeah. Probably closer to five. Yeah. But that's kind of the life of, like, an amateur, broke, fresh out of college bike mm-hmm. racer, you know? And speaking of which, my younger brother actually worked for the first time this year. And this I got was, him a job. Yeah, yeah. Um, coming out of it, for, he's like, I, I kind of want to get a bike now. Oh, that's pretty awesome. And yeah. before this, he was the kind of person to be like, oh, no, you're lame. You wear tights. You shave your legs. <laughs> as soon as he... And we got him... We set him up on a bike and a kit and stuff, and he did a few races he since did. he could do it for free. And Which, like, like, off the couch. Like, yeah, like, he's sold. Yeah, it's like... It's a cool experience when you go to those bigger races because there's such, like, a production value to yeah. it. I feel like if he would have gone to, like, maybe a local race, he wouldn't have had the same kind of, like, feeling. But when you come to these big i don't want to call them like yeah no they're they're big crits um and you've got like the barriers all the way around the course and they're right in the middle of like a town or a city center and people are actually there to watch like people come out to watch all day you know between the cat five race to the you know pro men's race Mm -hmm. at eight or nine o'clock at night people are always on the side of the barriers yeah so he uh he might get a bike i told him that uh i might be getting a new bike next year oh okay um i'm debating whether it's worth it to get a new Super 6 or to upgrade to a System 6. Oh, Cannondale. Stick it. Yeah. Ryan is a Ryan is a Cannondale fanboy. Well, you know, to be honest, like I look at other bikes and yeah. then I'm like, "Oh, you know, what what bikes are rated the best?" And then like Cannondale's always at the top. Uh, so I'm yeah, like, "Do I'll I want to get cuz I'll give you that. Cannondales are affordable. That's the thing too. Is you can get a Super 6 Evo Ultegra for 2500 bucks. You almost can't beat that. Okay. And I'll, also being one of the best bikes you can get. All right, I'll, I'll give you that. I've, I've had Cannondales before. They are good bikes. They're, you know, I won't, I won't argue that point. Um, and to what, like about, what, are, what are your thoughts on like disc brakes though? Are you, are you in the disc brakes crowd? Um, I'm. That's that's one thing is I, I'm not sure yet. I'm sorry to bring up such a controversial topic on the podcast, but I think we need to discuss it at I, some point. I've been kind of getting sold on it and sold off of it. Yeah. Uh, the I main think I've been thing. You off it. Well, the main thing, you and Tommy. Uh, yeah. The main thing was if you something happens during a race and your disc brakes are off at all, and then your race is kind of over because all of a sudden you have disc rub for the entire. I mean, what can you do about that? Where if it's a normal bike, you can kind of just force it. You know. In my, I mean, from my perspective, I do not have good mechanical skills. And that's what happened to Anna too during her race when she crashed um, oh, at yeah. Downer. Yep. Uh, her, well, yeah, her her wheel kind of with the skewer mm-hmm. kind of moved or shifted. She had really bad disrupt, uh, disc, disc rub. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not I'm still not really sold on 
break like the braking performance needing to be better than caliper brakes like for obviously for mountain mm-hmm. biking you need disc brakes i mean people got by without them for a while but you know unless it's like a muddy cyclocross race yeah or you know i get like our, our buddy i Tom like the me, feel of them i do no i do too i'll give you that like they do feel nice and or, they're more aerodynamic they also they're better on like if you have if you have carbon rims yeah i mean they're way better you know like our friend tommy he's living on colorado he was telling us about how you know on some of these descents you're just like you know like you know white knuckling the brake mm-hmm. because you're going so fast and like it's not good for the brake track of your wheel yeah. so having a disc brake definitely especially if you have carbon wheels you know expensive carbon wheels kind of saves so you know increases the longevity of the wheel yeah yeah well it's a toss-up. It is a toss-up. And you know, it's, it's, it's it's literally, I think it's like, if you find a bike that you like and it's disc brakes, don't let it not, like, don't don't let it be the deci- deciding factor, but don't let yeah. it not allow you to get that bike because yeah. it has disc brakes. So my, uh, what I'm thinking of is between a, a the Super 6 Evo Tegra with just normal caliper brakes, uh, the same thing, but with disc brakes or mm-hmm. going to a System 6. The only thing is, System Six is about a grand more than the. It's about four thousand. That, that is a beautiful bike, though. It's it Cannondale's is. new Aero bike. It's the same price as a, can, uh, a Canyon. Yeah, which is yeah, and Canyon's supposed to be the price point bike. So yeah, it's a, I think it's a hundred dollars more, but you get a built bike versus building it yourself. Good point. Or that's bring it, or if you bring it to a bike shop, that's going to cost you two hundred fifty to three hundred fifty dollars. Probably yeah yeah. So. You're actually getting a better deal yeah, with the Candale. I, I guess you got to weigh those those decisions. Yeah, but well, you know that's it's neither here nor there. You know, we'll, we'll wait to see what decision you make, Ryan. Um, but but since we're talking about buying bikes, yeah, yeah. we'll uh, jump into our that's first good. topic. You saved me there. I was looking for a segue. <laughs> How do you make like when someone comes up to you and says, "I want to buy uh, a bike"? Yeah, and the one thing you don't want to do because it turns them off is say, "Yeah." Let me show you some new bikes, and you're like two thousand dollars, and they're like, uh-huh. "Oh, that's how much it costs." So the question is here: How do you make the cost of entry better or easier or cheaper? What's your opinion? Fixed gear crits, you know, just get them on a fixie, and that's, I've actually that's tell, what they're doing. I've been telling people just get a fixie because most no, people they're not yeah. trying to like go race or anything. If you're just trying to ride around ride town around. and you want like a road bike. Just get a fixie. Yes, yeah, my opinion. That's, that's yeah, kind of a tongue-in-cheek comment, but I think that because racing is really expensive. Like if you want to, if you want to be like you know competitive, get a really nice bike, and start road racing, it's thousands of dollars. That's I think one of the big appeals of the kind of fixed gear thing that's coming up is for five hundred dollars, you can get like a really good fixed gear bike. Yeah, and, and I don't think a lot of people are going and buying a bike with the initial intents of I want to. Oh yeah, be a racer. Of course not. You know? So yeah, for most people. If they're just riding around, I always recommend like I don't know, like a hybrid or like a towny kind of bike. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're just cruising, like my wife, she rides a like just a hybrid bike, and she calls that like a real bike, and my bike just uncomfortable. So like <laughs> that's that's like what most people I think should probably start on if they're just cruising around. But like, what if somebody, I so when somebody comes to me and they want to buy a bike i always kind of ask them like what's their purpose for the bike because like you know what do you want to do with it like do you want to ride like single track trails do you want to do a hundred mile century ride do you want to maybe get into road racing like that's i think where you need to start like what's the actual purpose of the bike so like if somebody came to you and they were like okay so i kind of want a new challenge or maybe want to get into like 
doing some road riding. Maybe I want to do a century ride with my, my, my buddies. Maybe, maybe do like a little bit of racing, you know, try it out. Like what kind of bike would you steer them towards? And, oh, I guess, you I know, mean, if you budget to, you, you throw guess. in, I want to try some racing. I mean, you're probably not going to go towards a hybrid bike. But the, no, the no. big thing that I always hear from people is like, um, I want to ride around town, but I also want to, you know, possibly do some long distance ride. Yeah, um, I'm so used to the flat handlebars and upright feeling, uh-huh. but I kind of want like a faster bike. Uh, what do I do? I'm a little bit older. I'm a little bit more overweight. So I think that like, do you put them on a like a hybrid bike or do you put them on like a road bike? So because they they have kind of a multi-purpose yeah they're used to the more upright but they want to do like longer distance a little bit faster right fast faster paced stuff there so like the, the my perspective on that is there's so many options now for bikes there's literally like every single subcategory you could possibly think of i don't think you could divide bikes into like further subcategories mm-hmm. so like if somebody came to me and they're like i want to like a bike that's comfortable, do some longer rides. You know, there's like, oh yeah, there's like a, a 50 miler that I want to do like charity ride. I would actually point them in the direction of a gravel bike. That's a good one. That's my opinion. And a lot of times and, too, they want to keep it like the yeah. $1,000 range. It seems to be like the price point for and, like new people. So let's say you push them towards a gravel bike and it's aluminum, yeah. an aluminum gravel bike. You could, you know, and you maybe talk to them like, hey, you know, if you push your budget up to like twelve hundred or thirteen hundred, mm-hmm. you can kind of get like a foot in the door, right? That's like a, it's like a decent, a decent bike starter, with like starting bike. like Ti, like sh- you know Shimano Tiagra ten speed on it. You could probably find like a, like not like a so much of a name name brand with yeah. one hundred five for. 1200 right you could find it exactly or or you could always go with like an endurance road bike that'd probably be like maybe closer to that one thousand dollar price point yeah now gravel bikes and endurance bikes are kind of the it's a thin line between. yeah i mean really the only difference is like disc brakes and slightly wider tire clearance yeah that's about it Mm -hmm. and once you like it's pretty hard to i think outgrow that bike i mean that's that kind of gets you set like you can do your long rides unless you actually want like nicer like components and stuff on the bike yeah once you become a little bit more serious about yeah, it you know you do that for a couple of years and you're like okay i want to upgrade i want maybe like some some nicer wheels a lighter bike maybe a carbon fiber frame and those cheap well, i don't want to say cheap but lower end bikes retain their value really well yeah where like a higher end bike a five thousand mm-hmm. dollar bike will lose almost half its value in one year Okay. Yeah, definitely. So I want to I want to pivot this question a little okay. bit. So that's that's like getting like you know your family and your friends into biking, right? Like people that are like very casual, but are you know kind of on like the cusp of like doing some more serious road riding. Now, what if somebody comes to you and they're like, so I've been ro- I've been riding this kind of old clunker road bike for a while, and I really like it, and I want to try some racing, but this thing is like it's from the 1980s. It's steel. It's got, you know, huge lugs. It's it's too heavy. How, and they come to you, all right, again, theoretical. They come to you and they're like, I, you know, how can you get me going on a mildly competitive road bike with a pretty tight budget? Let's I, say let's say this person has $1,500 to spend. Oh, $1,500 is more than enough. How can you spend $1,500 in such an efficient way that they get, like, a pretty good road bike that's competitive? I would, uh, so if I'm, like, a friend... Versus, 
I mean, if you yeah, you're, let's okay. say you're a friend. You're like, you're, you're a this friend. is your buddy. This is your buddy. Uh, I would tell him first off, go used. I would definitely recommend a used bike for at sure. that point because you're going to get a really nice bike for fifteen hundred bucks. You find so many people on Craigslist too, yeah. that they bought for some reason they bought like a they're like they never biked. They bought like a, a road racing machine mm-hmm. and they rode it once and they're like, yeah, I just. Um, never rode bike. it yeah, it's a few I, years old I, I always want to meet the salesman who sold them that bike and yeah. like learn their magic and mm-hmm. learn their secrets because I don't know how you could sometimes get these people to buy these like just crazy bikes yep if not that uh, then probably looking at uh, you could get a 105 bike for sure for that price oh yeah brand new if you're like no I want to I want a Trek that's what I want like, uh-huh. a, like a real name brand one uh, you're probably looking at like a, uh, a Tiagra which mm. You Tiagra and 105 is starting to become very thin line between those two. I think all the groups. I mean, yeah, people. Tiagra, can, I think people can. Tiagra argue. up is starting to become. They're they're all like yeah. the trickle down is starting to. The old Ultegra is essentially the new Tiagra. And and um and for I've, anybody that doesn't know, we're talking about like the group sets of the, the bikes. So sets. these are like what they're dressed with. So, so the shifters, yeah, the, you know, like the the cranks. So the Tiagra is kind of the lower end road bike gearing. Then there's 105. Then there's Ultegra, in which e- with each one they it's very similar, but it just mm-hmm. uses different materials in the shifting. Um, that's kind of the simplest way uh, to say it. And I guess they maybe last Long, a little bit longer. Lighter, you know. Ultegra has got a little bit more miles in it than mm-hmm. 105 does, I guess. But as being a bike mechanic, I can get Tiagra to shift like Ultegra. So if, yeah, if I mean, shifting's an issue, it's not. Yeah, you're. I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like, Maybe that technology is trickling down. So even yeah, like so five years ago, like what might have been like the best shifting is now available at a lower price point. Mm-hmm. It's just not called the same thing. Yeah, it's kind of like buying like cell phones, really, if you think about mm-hmm. it. Or cell phones aren't good at a good comparison. Cameras would be a better comparison. You know, if you look at a camera ten years ago, you know, for a hundred bucks, you couldn't get like anything. Now for a hundred bucks, you probably still can't get you know the best camera, but you can get a GoPro that looks awesome. Right? Or like a phone now, or like is a phone, right? Just as nice of a camera as anything. Yeah, it's kind of a good analogy for for bike stuff. Actually, yeah, I I don't know bike. It's always so hard like getting people into bike stuff. Yeah, because some you know like you kind of come at it from like the angle of like being like a bike nerd and thinking like oh you've got to have this, you got to have this. I think it's more common for people to say like yeah I really want to try racing. I want I want to get a bike. You're like, okay, how much do you want to spend? And they're like, $500. Yeah, and I That's, want a nice bike for $500. Yeah, too. see, and I've actually worked with that. And I said, I, yeah, I tell them, okay, you pr- I, can, I can look around for you because I can find you something. Yeah. It's not going to be, like, pretty. Right. But I'm going to get you, I can probably find you an older bike that still works well that's a race bike. Yeah, you. I think it's good to like put out there too, like the bare requirements, right? Like you mm-hmm. should kind of like give the barriers to entry into like what you want to do. So somebody comes to you and they're like, "I've never raced before. I'm gonna be a Cat Five roadie yeah. and I want to do road racing." I I kind of look at it as like, okay, like you probably want a bike that's at least ten speed. You probably want a bike that's under about like twenty pounds. And a bike that doesn't have down tube shifters has like yeah. STI shifters, and like if you have those three things, that probably gets you like eighty percent of the way. I mean, you won't have like the nicest machine out there, but and then you, you gotta kind of figure too, 
if you're planning on racing, mm-hmm. you probably want clip-in pedals. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's what kills people. Is like, and a, a kit, yeah. helmet, you we, know. We used to both work in a bike shop, and you'd get people that would come in, and they would be all psyched because they, like, hit their budget with their bike, only to find out that they have to spend now, like, 500 at least $500 on what accessories, like helmets, Yeah, and especially in a, a bike shop where shammies. everything's going to be really expensive. You can go it's online, buy yeah. $50 shoes, cheap, pet, like $20 pedals. If you have a friend that know. like knows what you're looking for or knows yeah. what you need, use that as a resource. Yeah, I know yeah. I bought I bought Anna's shoes that are the, essentially the same shoes I had when I started. And I uh-huh. think she, I, we found it for her for like fifty bucks. I think a majority of people could get just just get away with mountain bike stuff too. Like yeah, like that's exactly bike, what I got her. Like if you really think about it, do you really need like road racing shoes or like no. road shoes? Not really. A lot of mountain bikers actually have SPDs. Yeah, I always think I always find that like so ironic, and they'll do really well. Like they'll just show up to road races like on a cross bike and SPD pedals, and they'll still do super well. And mm-hmm. it's like oh, I guess. Maybe equipment isn't as important as we all think it is. But. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, all right. let's kind of pivot away from uh, talking about getting you into racing with the gear, and we can maybe explain a little bit more about, like... Basics of racing? Basics of racing. Basic terms and stuff? We've gotten, like, ten episodes in, and I guess we've all kind of assumed that everybody listening knows what we're talking about. And but we've we could, heard from a few people that... We, we could clarify a little bit yeah. better. Yeah, so, like... Let's start with the racing that we mostly crits. do. Crits, right? You are commonly referred to as crits. The full name is Criteriums Criterium. Racing. It's a, a racing style that's pretty, I don't want to say exclusive, but very popular in the United States. Yeah. It's essentially around a track that's typically one kilometer to two kilometers long. And it's bigger races will take place in kind of like a, a downtown or a city center like toad like toad like Small. toad goes to bigger areas in yep. milwaukee and they have the nope. budget to shut down the streets close everything off smaller races are like usually in neighborhoods or office parks yeah and these are lapped courses so typically the courses are actually on a timer so you know the cat four race will be 40 minutes the cat three race will be 45 minutes the cat one and two three race will be an hour long and then they just calculate however many laps it'll take to finish that race. Yep. So they wait about 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And then after that time, they calculate the average lap time mm-hmm. and then use that lap time to put up how many laps you have to go. So then it becomes kind of like NASCAR where you just yeah. go around the lap for however many laps are left. First person across the line wins. Do you know what's the worst feeling though? is when the race is so hard and you come across the finish line and you just think, oh, like how many laps are left? And they haven't even put the lap card up yet. Yep. And it's like, I'm only that far into the race. And then they put it up and it's like 18 laps to go. Yeah. And you're like, this, what? <laughs> this can't go on much longer. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good feeling. And then uh, during the, the race, they'll have competi- like a competition called mm-hmm. a preem, which it makes the, the rate in the middle of the race more interesting. Yeah. It's essentially whoever uh, go, goes across the line first on that lap wins points or, like, money or, like, some merchandise. You could call it a one-lap race within the race yeah. on a given lap. Yeah. 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 So And it's random, too. And, and the reason why they're done is to spice up the race, mm-hmm. to make it a little bit more interesting, right? Sometimes you'll get races where 
Um, and we can get into this now, the dynamics of the racing, right? You know, why people do certain things, you know, why don't, why doesn't everybody just kind of ride around at their own pace, right? Why isn't everyone just at the front riding as fast as they can? Right. That's the guy who's winning, Why right? are there groups of people in the, like, mm-hmm. breakaways and stuff? And it's, it's different from NASCAR, because in NASCAR, a lot of the times, you know, they want to be in the front three the entire race, yeah. or whoever's at the front is winning. Well, there actually is drafting in NASCAR, though. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I see what you're saying. But a lot uh, of yeah. times, you know, the guy at the front is doing a lot better than the guy right. in 10th place. So with cycling, there's dra- there's drafting dynamics, which means that the person that's at the front of the group is doing much, you know, sometimes over 70% more work than the person that's at the back of the group. So you want to conserve energy yeah. by being in the middle of the group and not being in the wind because it's a lot easier to pedal your bike at 30 miles per hour when there's no wind versus if you're the first person and you're taking all the wind it's a lot harder to pedal your bike and you might ask yourself well why would anybody be at the front of the race then so and that's a good question right because that's kind of working against your own your own uh goals but what happens during the race is you'll get people that they sprint away from the group which is called an attack so when you hear us say like oh we attacked that guy attacked what that means is the person is putting a really hard effort in to get some separation between themselves and the the bigger pack and then that's going to be a breakaway and it could be more than one rider too sometimes groups of riders will get up the road and be kind of like off what's called off the front of the of the uh, main group and the goal of that is is to hold that that distance from the group mm-hmm. until the end of the race so they don't have to sprint at the at the end right and they might have to sprint against the the, the guys that are in the breakaway but if there's three people in the breakaway that means everybody's going to get a podium it just depends on what position they're all going to finish in so that's when somebody in the group might go to the front and they might try to like work you know everybody in the pack they might try to work together to because you know if there's only three guys off the front there's 20 guys in the field if everybody works just a little bit it's pretty easy to bring that group back or if there's a team who has a really good sprinter who will probably win the rest of the team is going to try to bring that breakaway back so their sprinter can go for first place instead of fourth place so while four of their teammates might go to the front of the field to kind of like do a pace line and bring everything back together the sprinter the fifth rider he'll just kind of sit in and just conserve energy try not to do too much work while everybody else does it for him so that's kind of like the general tactics and Mm criterion racing covered kind of the terms that we commonly use uh, something else that we do once in a while is a road race. Yep. Yeah. So road racing is somewhat similar, but going to be a little different. Mm-hmm. And it, with road racing, it greatly depends on if it's a flat stage or if it's a hilly stage. Um, and on a, on a flat stage, it almost always ends up in a sprint because everyone can go so fast that breakaways right. can't there's, there's, keep the speed that the group can there's no corners to really break up the race there's no like you know in a criterium if it's on a pretty short course there's a lot of corners which means that uh kind of the old adage of like out of sight out of mind right so if people get up the road and you can't see them anymore you kind of just like forget about them you right? stop working you stop working hard in a in a flat road race unless it's a really twisty windy course that breakaway is like a, it's always a carrot to chase, right? And it's kind of also really disheartening when you're in the breakaway and you look back and you just can constantly see the people chasing you. So 
what will happen, and this occasionally happens, is sometimes the field will let the breakaway go. And because they can put whatever riders they need to in the breakaway, over the course of the race, they'll gradually pull the breakaway back. Right, they'll do it kind of like in a timely manner. So they catch them right before the finish of the race. And then the strategy is, well, the sprinters will typically, mm-hmm. you know, their teams will go to the, the front of the race and they'll try to like keep the speed up and they'll sprint for the for the finish. And then you have races like the Tour de France where it's a lot of mountains. And that's going to be very different because a lot of the group can't keep up with the tiny climbers who can go up the mountain really fast. Yep. So the tiny climbers are able to break away at the bo- at the bottom of the mountain and keep a distance from the rest of the group because the rest of the group can't keep up with that pace up the mountain. And if you watch those races too, it's often more of like a race of attrition, right? So everybody kind of goes up like the different mountain passes and this this is very like European or or not American style racing because there's lots of lots of climbing and mountains and you're in the Alps but you'll see the riders like the group will go over a mountain pass and they'll lose a couple of riders because you know they fall off the back of the group they're they're too tired they can't like keep up and they'll go over another one and they'll lose some more riders and maybe nobody actually like puts in a really hard attack until like the last couple hundred meters to the finish line Mm -hmm. because all they had to do is just ride a really hard pace and just pop people off from the group yep and the climbers are tiny guys they'll be 5 10 140 135 pounds where sprinter is going to be 5 10 to 6 2 maybe 170 pounds so the the size difference is very different from like a sprinter to a climber yeah and And that's why a sprinter can't keep with the climbers in in the mountains and i always i always thought that's really interesting too because so the sprinter is i mean if you really think about it they're compensated with a little bit more leg muscle a little bit more fast twitch muscle fiber which is how they do so well in like a a sprint finish right but on the flip side they're naturally they have a bigger upper body i mean that's like the only difference really between a, a sprinter and a climber is that typically a little bit taller sometimes kind of stockier more muscly where a climber, really good climbers are typically not super tall, with the exception of like um, Chris Froome, which is a who's a, who's like a multi-time Tour de France winner, and Tom Dumoulin. Those are two pretty tall guys. But yeah, if you're if you're really good at climbing, you're typically I think I think like five eight to five nine is like the mm-hmm. average height for really good climbers, yeah. professionally at least. Yep. Well, so I've been watching the tour a little bit. It's been pretty good so far. It's been exciting. I know, I know we don't really talk a lot about um, European bike racing on this show, but something that was really interesting on the uh, on the live commentary is they talked a little bit about how the viewership is down this year with the tour, and it's only been the first. Also week. with Wimbledon and oh yeah, so I mean, and there's and the there's Cup. stuff going on, right? There's stuff going on. There's the World there's a Cup lot going, going on. on. Wimbledon, whatever. NASCAR. Nascar i don't think anybody watching nascar is watching the tour but well you could know, there's, there's some fans there's some crossover in the u.s so true but that got us thinking how do you make bike racing more appealing to watch so, to the masses to the masses like to people that hardly ride a bike that are maybe sports fans like how do you get their their interest i think first and foremost and the reason uh, the Tour de France was so popular in the U.S. in the 2000s was mm-hmm. an American was winning. Well, yeah, of course. Right? Last a lot of American a, pride. You've there's got not a, many Americans since Lance Armstrong who have been high 
you know, ranked very high in the sport. We've had few that have come close that have mm-hmm. had uh, injuries or something that kind of halted their progression. I think Americans love when like a, an, a, an American goes to into a, like a, an arena, a sports arena that's got a, like a rich history and they just they just crush everybody, right? Americans it's kind of like, like something, being the best. There's like yeah, there's like a real national pride. And cycling is like the most European of European sports, I'd say. Mm-hmm. It is it is very rooted in tradition and history, which is why it's so popular in Europe, right? It's not necessarily because it's so much more interesting to watch. It's just because there's like a history there. You know, like when you watch the tour, it's literally like watching a documentary because half the time they're showing the countryside and these castles or chateaus and like villages and they're talking about them, right? So there's just like a big, there's a history around the race. In like America, we, we don't have, we don't, our, our history is not even that old. So when you try to apply that same thing to bike racing, it, it doesn't really work. You know, it's not it's not the same. That's why we do a lot of different styles of racing. That's why Criterium short, fast racing is so popular in the U.S. Yeah, uh, Criterium racing is exciting. It is, and yeah. that's why I think that's why people do it in the U.S. is because p- people in the U.S. like exciting. But could it be more exciting? It could be more could exciting, be. Rick. Could be. It could be. Yeah, because we have a few ideas. We have some ideas. So the first one. We're about is, to throw out some takes. So what's really popular? in the Wisconsin area, in the Milwaukee area, is uh, the velodrome racing, which is once a week in Kenosha. Yeah. They get huge turnouts every week because they have multiple races every single night. And a velodrome is a... It's like a track. It's a track. It's a banked track that's made for bikes. Yep. That's, That's what it is. It's just like a running track, but for bikes. Yeah. And they have different races that go on, and the races are like $5. So it's really it's really cheap to go and race four races in a night, and each race has different rules. So it's exciting. It's exciting to watch because it's constant action. It's not like um, it's different from a criterium because in a track race it'll be like every few laps, like in an elimination race, right. every two laps someone gets uh, kicked out of the race. There's something going on, right? Yeah, until the last person is left. Like that's super exciting because every two laps. You're, you're wondering who's going to get kicked out this time. And then if you're in the race, you're just thinking, I just can't be last. And this concept has also been applied. It's started to get applied to some criterium racing to where they're starting to do like some what's called like points races on the road. So typically, you know, it's like let's say a pro crit is an hour and a half and you're just watching the groups go around in circles for an hour and a half. And the most interesting thing that can happen is there's a breakaway which then you can count the distance between the field to the breakaway and you just kind of see what's going on, right? And everybody gets really excited in the last like 10 minutes because that's when the race gets really hot. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I agree. I think it'd be really interesting if you applied some of these same concepts, you know, like we had points race where there's a a small race going on every five laps. Yeah. And so like, yeah, like if it's an hour and a half, every 15 minutes you get points for top 10, and then instead of, and then at the end, whichever teams have the most points get overall points. So if one team wins the night with the most points that night, then they get, you know, 20 points for the overall standings. And at the end of the week, whichever team has the most points wins the entire series rather than just having one person winning the entire thing. Right. I totally agree with that. I think it'd be a lot more interesting. I also think applying like some motorsports 
kind of uh, ideas to cycling would be kind of interesting too. So I grew up racing um, motocross for like my entire life. And something that was always like really fun was that there was there was two motos, what they're called, which is like two heat races. And your your um, your position is average between those two races, right? So if you apply that to cycling, you know, everybody comes to the race and they have they get two races for the day, right? So like let's make the races a little shorter. Everybody gets two 30 minute criteriums. And I think that that would make cycling a lot more enjoyable yeah. because everybody always complains about how in crits everybody does their race and they go home. Yeah. Right. This almost kind of forces people to stick around, stick and like around, hang out, hours. watch the other races. And it gives you two chances to like win the race. Yeah. Right. That's what, you know, it's kind of a bummer sometimes if you go to a race and say you even drive like an hour and a half and something happens in your race, you get a flat, you crash. Okay. That's done. Like my race is over or you could be like, okay, well maybe my first race wasn't good today. I'm out of the running for the overall, but hey, I could have a really good second race. I could even win that race and, you know, kind of put my hands up and have a good day. Yeah. And then I think a a big thing too is for like pro teams Mm -hmm. is I think it has to be mutually beneficial for the race and the teams. So a big issue is, you know, the, the tours that are putting on the races, they'll make some money, but these individual teams you know they don't get any money from going to these races unless they win prize money or something yeah, yeah. i think there needs to be a, t- a way for teams and the races to essentially make money from going to these races so that you know th- there's not much as much like relying on sponsors you know yeah so kind of so- like when you go to a baseball game you go there and then you can like buy food you can buy apparel and stuff you need like a stadium for crit racing yeah, Bike not racing. even a stadium, but I think the races need to kind of move into, you know, selling apparel, selling food, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, you know, making it like that. And then somehow kind of sharing that money with the the professional teams. I, I guess, you know, big races kind of do that um, where like a town will host the race and well, sometimes, sometimes a town will pay money for the race to come in, set up shop and then, you know, the town will make money off of the increased traffic, you know, downtown. People are buying more food, more drinks. But, yeah, I agree. There's got to be some kind of, like, profit sharing between yeah. both the towns and the teams. I mean, if you really think about it. And I, the I mean, whole too, idea, the teams need to bring some sort of value as well. Yeah. Yeah, right. Whether that's, like, uh, media coverage, following on, on social media. you know, Or even teams starting to sell t-shirts at yeah, races their with, own merchandise where yeah where you know i think isn't that how like the nfl or the nba works yeah. they get a certain cut of you know when when somebody buys a falcons jersey an atlanta falcons jersey um the falcons make the money nfl makes the money uh whoever made the jersey makes some money so like oh i got it i right. just thought of this what's this what's this idea so um at races mm-hmm. so the race will set up a tent and the teams can put their can submit their apparel to the tent. Uh, and okay. I've been a proponent of this for a while, uh-huh. is having like names and numbers on the jerseys yeah. that the team wears. And then you can go to the the tent and buy team apparel. Ah, okay. And then, you know, the teams get 90, 90% of the, the money that's made from that. 
And then the other 10% goes to the race. Yeah. I just think cycling has like an identity crisis. Yeah. Like, is it a team sport? Is it an individual sport? Like, you know what I mean? I think it's... And so I've been following the USA Crit Series, which is awesome. If anybody wants to like watch some really good crit racing, they have like a, a monthly subscription and you get all of their, their, the biggest crit races in the US for, I think it's like $15, but you could replay all the races. It's really, really good. Um, but so, you know, like they've done a really good job in bringing a little bit more like formality to crit racing. So now it's got like a series. Now it's got what's called division one teams. So you can kind of follow the teams and stuff like that. But at the same time, I still think, you know, you've got a lot of teams that are just there when it's most convenient, right? It's, there's some teams that are like criterium teams. They're at all the races. They're like, you know, that's what they're, that's what they're doing, right? But I think teams like Hollow Wesco Citadel, for example, they're like John Murphy was winning the USA Crit Series for the first three or four weeks, I think. And then all of a sudden their calendar, they, they go to races that they think are more important, right? Like I think they do like tour of Utah, tour of California, all these, which are important races, but that's what I mean. Like with an identity crisis is it makes it hard to follow a series when the series leader goes somewhere else because Mm -hmm. it's like a better race. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like you have to like silo off your event and your series from anything else, even bike racing related. Like you call it the criterium. This is like this is the national criterium calendar, and every racer is at every race. Like you yada, have to yada, submit yada. a team at the beginning of right. the series, and you can't have stand-ins or anything. Right. I think that'd be a big a good change for the USA Crit Series going forward. Is like if they have Division One teams, I and I don't know how you'd even really really enforce this, but you shouldn't be allowed to be a Division One team if that's not your priority. Well, right? think about like, it like this, can. You know, a football player just all of a sudden say, "Nah, I, Florida's too hot. I don't want to play." Right? Yeah. Like, can yeah, exactly. You know, can the? It's not like the Packers are gonna get to, um, you know, January and they're gonna say, "Well, it's kind of winter, so like we're gonna do some ice hockey now." Yeah. But like, yeah, or so like, you still come know, to the game, which is gonna be a different team. Yeah. Or like, right? oh, you know what? This team has a bye week and it's warm down there, so we're gonna go play them. Yeah. Exactly. That's, or or like we're gonna go play a pro-am team instead because it's cold as hell up here right so usa crits put all this money into like creating this following on social media which is awesome like and there are teams for example like shout out to is core being a wisconsin team it's mm-hmm. kind of cool but they're at every usa crits race i think samantha schneider is the women's leader and that's like that's a crit team so like that's their priority they're at every single usa crits race and it makes it easy to follow so like you can actually like like be an IS Corps fan. Like you yeah. can kind of like cheer for that team because it doesn't matter what race it is, they're going to be there. And the same thing goes for like uh, Team Cliff Bar on the men's side. That's like a criterium team. Like they're always going to be there. You know what the best example of this is? Is uh, the the Bahati racing team. Okay. They When they came to Toad, uh, Bahati, the Bahati Foundation mm-hmm. used to set up a tent with a bunch of apparel and stuff. Yeah. And everybody at the races had Bahati yeah, t-shirts you, you become, and stuff. You become a fan. I was right? out at a bar in like November, months after the race, and a guy came up to me because I was wearing my Bahati shirt, and a guy came up to me and was like, "Oh, that's a Bahati shirt." 
And did he, like, was he a bike racer? Yeah, apparently he was friends with them. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, was in, I was in Appleton, Wisconsin. Bahati's from uh, California. California. Yeah. The guy, like, knew him. But it that that makes a community, and, like, so many people at the race were buying Bahati shirts just because of, he was, a, was such a well-known it's, it's name. A personality. And you just community. kept hearing him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was a good foundation, and there were cool shirts. So, like, yeah. if other teams were selling shirts, like, hell yeah, I would, I would probably have, like, five or ten by now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's a really good point. You kind of create like a community. And I think with cycling, a lot of the focus lately in terms of how do you, because if anybody doesn't know, cycling is like the worst monetary model for sporting. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, like if you go to like the U.S. pro races, there's maybe at any given race, unless it's one of the biggest races in the United States, there's maybe you know a handful of guys that make a living wage like yeah. not like a good salary like a living wage and it's it's um you know it's really focused in the last couple of years on like television and live streaming and like that is going to be what saves cycling and brings money into the sport and it might bring some interest into the sport but i don't think it's 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 kind of a broken model i mean it just that's that's not what's gonna what's gonna really pay salaries i guess mm-hmm yeah, so I don't know how how do we fix cycling? I don't even I don't really even think cycling is broken. I just think that you we can definitely get more people into it and like watching. Yeah, it. I think in order to make it bigger, because it has to be profitable. In yeah. order to make it bigger, there has to be a change in how teams and races make money. Uh huh. Yeah. I, I think I, at the pro level, at the pro level. at the pro level, yeah. it's completely. I mean. Who, who's going to their local pro-am football game you know I, yeah it's I, a little different i mean at the but at that national criterion level mm-hmm. they definitely need to to make it a change and kind of you know copy some other sport that also makes money i don't know like the mls it's not that yeah. big but and you know there's a pretty solid following right and they make enough money to yeah like, they make buy. enough money i'm gonna say something really controversial okay um and I don't know if we're going to lose some listeners. Do it. All right. I don't think that any race anywhere at any time should be paying out amateur cyclists. Oh, I think that's pretty. That's. I, I say it's controversial because people like yeah. they, they like payouts, right? People like payouts. They like going home and being like, look at me. I won 40 bucks from my Cat 4 crit. But to be honest, give me a free t-shirt. And oh, I'm fine. dude, I'd be I'd be happy with a free T-shirt. I'd be ha- don't so give me the, don't give me a free white V-neck XL T-shirt. Well, <laughs> give me a cool T-shirt. That's a great that fits T-shirt me. to sleep in when it's hot at night. It's so long you don't have to wear underwear. Probably don't give me the thing that you couldn't sell in your <laughs> bike shop and has been sitting around for ten years. Hey, they're struggling. They put on the race. Just be happy <laughs> that you're there. Okay. Um, well, I guess I got anyways. use out of that XL shirt. Yeah. See, it's not so bad after all. Yeah, cleaned up. But I think some that, stuff off the boat. Ugh, you didn't even wear it. I didn't. I used it to clean the, the worst. clean a spot on a, a seat on a boat. You're so wasteful. I think there was some bird feces on the boat, like, and I used it to clean that off. Man, like six kids in Africa could have worn that T-shirt. I don't think I would have have used it if for anything else. Well, so. Ryan, you're a wasteful human being, and that's fine. That's okay. That's what. That's what I got are. pink bar tape though. Yeah, pink bar tape. Yeah. First people, per, first uh, person to to comment on this video or this podcast, I'll send them some. Are you pink gonna, are bar you going to ship it to them? 
you gotta come find me at a race <laughs> oh okay well yeah i mean that's that's pretty all right so first person comic is the pink bar tape yep anna you're not allowed to comment anna's not allowed tommy you're not tommy, allowed you're also not, allowed. not coming back for intelligentsia oh why yeah tommy zilkowski we're calling you out tommy what's going on i was looking forward to like hanging out with him again mm-hmm. at intelligentsia he thinks his business is more important Ugh, that's funny I'm more important than his business. Yeah, Tommy. Rick is more important. Yeah. What was his uh, app called again? Meetup. 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 Let's. Well, Tommy, let's go meet up at Intelligentsia. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Already using your app. Swipe right on him. We shouldn't. (laughs) uh, Yeah. I don't think we should be giving him this much free publicity to all of our. Yeah, he's got to pay us because we got to be profitable. Tens of listeners that he has this app. But, anyways, I was on a thought before we started rambling. Uh, you should be giving money to actual pro cyclists, yeah. like at, like these, especially bigger races too. You could probably double the prize purses if you just stop paying out amateurs. I agree. It just is silly. And think about like if you're 50 years old and you have a volleyball team with a bunch of other dads, and you guys go play volleyball and get drunk every Wednesday night at the YMCA. Just kidding. You can't have beer at the YMCA. I don't know why that would be, but. How how ridiculous would it be is if you guys won your match and all of a sudden they're like, okay, here's 25 bucks for everybody. Like, that sounds yeah. really silly when you think about it. And, I mean, how much cheaper would it be to be like, oh, if you sign up for this race, you get a custom water bottle that yeah. says, you know, Downer Avenue on it. You know what? I it costs would, like a dollar per water bottle. Or why don't they bring back trophies? You know, trophies, That's not, are, yeah, the trophies trophy. are so cheap. Yeah. I, I was into, so yeah, I mentioned that before in a motorcycle racing. And um, unless you were in like the pro race, which were like pretty legit pro races, because I, I came from a pretty competitive area, um, they got, I think they got paid out, but it, it was hardly anything. Mm-hmm. It was basically enough to cover your entry fee. And, but everybody got big trophies. That was like a big deal, right? Like you got, you came home and, you know, your wife is like, oh, or your mom is like, oh, how'd you do? And you show them this massive trophy. And it's like, I got this place. Like that is what people want. You yeah, give you know, people that's what they a good want. one. That's a good one. What they want. Yeah, they should do that. Yeah. Instead of uh, prize money, do trophies. Yeah. Five dollar trophies. Five dollar trophies. Yeah. And then give out. Yeah, give out money to the pros. Give it. To, get it to the pros. Get to the people that are trying to make a living yeah. bike racing. Yeah. yeah. Ryan, what are we at for time right now? We're at fifteen minutes. All right. Um, why don't we talk about? Well, what's what's? Do you have anything else you want to talk about? Otherwise, we can always talk about what's coming up. Um. I think uh, that was it because we moved on to how to make. Uh, oh, you know what? You know what we didn't talk about. What, what did we talk about? How do we? How do you? And this kind of goes back to something we were talking about before. Was mm-hmm. with like the points race, like yeah. every fifteen minutes, it's a it's a points. What I think that does too is when someone comes who's ne- who's from the area. So say we're at okay. Downer Avenue, and and yeah, we're talking again about making bike racing interesting too. Yeah, yeah, and to the public. To the public. So yeah. they live a few blocks off of it. You know, they see the roads closed. They see the earlier races go by and they're like, uh, what is this? Yeah. So they go check it out. They're watching. They have no idea what's going on. I think with, you know, doing like the points thing and they have, a, you know, having a scoreboard up with the yeah, teams, like a you know. scoreboard could be on the follow car. Yeah. And Maybe. I was telling you, you're like, oh, okay. So they're racing for points. Mm-hmm. Okay. What teams is okay? So they see Haluesco Citadel. All right. Oh, so that's that. The yellow team is Haluesco Citadel, and then all of a sudden, 
points lap, points lap. Okay, so they're racing for points right now, and all of a sudden you see, okay, first place gets 20 points, and then it goes out to 10th place or something. Immediately they know what's going on. Yeah. Versus, okay, so I've been sitting here for 10, 15 minutes. What's going on here? It's like... Why aren't they? Why isn't? Why aren't they all just at the front? You know, yeah, the guy at the I've, front's winning, right? I've often re- watched races with with people that are new to racing, and it's just like twenty questions immediately when the race starts. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Like, who's winning? Like, why are they? You know, I don't know. I think that's just why maybe I like bike racing is because it's just such a weird sport that, um, I don't know. It's like it's just it's just kind of weird like that. There's all these rules that you don't immediately know until you start watching it or doing it, but. I just think it could be a little bit more uh, viewer accessible. You know? Yeah, I want my, I want my parents to come to the race and just know what's going on. Yeah, and you I, well, okay, to, that's that's a diss on them. They well, they know what's going on. They, well, if you want to bike racing, yeah, if you want to make it appealing to the mass public, you to the need mass to, public, can you make it yeah. simple? I mean, soccer. If you watch soccer, mm-hmm. all right. If you if you never seen soccer, never under like you've never even heard about it, uh-huh. you clearly see a ball and you clearly see two goals and you're like. I'm going to guess that you take that ball and you put it in that goal because that guy's guarding that goal. Be a pretty safe guess. Yeah. Yeah. And it's you simple. Know, it's you super know the, simple. Do you know what the only thing that like people never understand in, in soccer is offsides? Yeah. Yeah. That's like the one rule yeah. where it's like, why can't, why did the whistle get blown? And mm-hmm. then the person's like, because he can't be past that guy. And the other person's like, yeah. well, why? And you're like, I don't know. It's just a rule. Or like basketball, that's probably... Uh, the the most popular uh, yeah, ball sport in the U.S. But at the same time, it's and like so easy. It's fit, fit ball and hoop. Yeah, it's like yeah. okay, okay. So uh, red team than... versus blue team. The red team is clearly trying to take that ball and put it in that hoop. Yeah, and the blue team is trying to stop them. Yeah, it's pretty simple. Man, we're on fire tonight. I right? think we should start writing some emails to USA Cycling. Yeah, get on yeah. the horn to USA Crits. Right. I think we got some great ideas here. If anybody wants to circulate this podcast. Be happy to send it. Uh, send, send it, it anyway. Yeah. We'll talk to them. Yeah, we'll talk. Watch. We get like an email from USA Cycling, like reducing our license. Like we didn't like what you guys had to say. About yeah, we didn't like you guys, yeah. so you guys are now cat fives. Yeah, you're not cat so, fives. Have fun. Yeah, do your ten races, and we'll see. And we'll but you know what? In, uh, they do that, and we're gonna be like, fine. We're gonna go in and tell you win all the money because you give that to cat fives. That's right. That's right. We win mm. all of the cat five money. So jokes on them. Jokes on them. Okay. Well. Let's talk about like what's going on. We, we, you know, we're gonna be back to doing this on a weekly yeah. basis. I say except that, next week. Except next week. Yeah, I'm gonna be gone all week. And I will if be in anybody, Tennessee. If anybody is down in the Chicago land doing the Intelligentsia Cup, uh, I'll be putting the barriers and the fence up. Come say hi, and I'll say hi to you. And I'm gonna then ask, how do you know? Who Just run me? around and start screaming, scream, Rick, Rick from. Uh, BRW. Or just scream out, Pickle Rick. Yeah, that works too. Yeah. Yep, that's pretty effective. I so, will be uh, yeah, on are, vacation. Yeah, you're taking a lot of vacations. You were at a wedding this weekend? Is that yeah, not a vacation? No, that's not a vacation because they took off work. For I'm going to be at Vegas after the week after that. Did I tell you that? No. Going to Las Vegas. You've been telling me you were thinking about going to Las Vegas. Yep, now I'm gone. It's exciting. I'm going to win all of the Cat 5 money at Intelli and put it all on black. At, there you at, go. Uh, there you at go. the MGM Casino. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. So, I, mean, I want to go to Vegas. That's a lot of money right there. Oh. Um, it's only $200 tickets for Madison. Wow. All right. This is the... This is the, the, the well, now that this is bike-related, we were talking, me, you, and Adam... Uh, biking, it's only 50 miles to Wisconsin Dells. Yeah, yeah. Stay at Ho Chunk Casino for a night. Okay. And then, like, drive her back. I'm scared back. to gamble with Adam. 
Like, I feel like I've never been with him when he actually makes money, but then he'll text us, like, just put all my toad money on in blackjack and doubled it. So, like, I'll... It's because I think I just have this idea that Adam, our friend Adam, is like... He's been on the podcast before. Been on the podcast. Adam Box. Yeah. Episode... Bog. Adam Bog. Episode three or four, the Crit Fit episode. Yeah. That was Adam and Richard. I don't Richard. think we said his last name on that one. No, he did. Oh, that's fine. Okay. Well, Adam is... I feel like he's a really good gambler, and if I had money, I just want to like give it to him and be like, Adam, you go bet this and give me money. He was supposed to be on here, by the way. Today? today. Oh, what happened? Uh, he bailed on us. To go typical. ride his bike. It's lame. Lame. Right? He could have done that after the podcast. Yeah. Whatever. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Well, Adam is also going to be working at the Intelligence Cup yep. with me. He will. He will be. So he's going to be. He's He'll gonna be, be racing fits. four fives. He's going to be. Uh, yeah. If anybody, uh, if anybody's listening and also in Chicago, um, just go to any of the uh, Intelligence races. Stand on the sidelines and just scream, Adam Bogstad. Adam Bogstad. Yeah. He's pretty used to it though. Yeah, and then he'll he'll come by you and and ask what you need. Yeah, and, you know he's always there for a helping hand. Besides that, a little update: I am done racing mountain bikes. Oh, because yeah. you broke your elbow. I did not. Okay, why? Um, it was kind of taking too too much out of me. Yeah. The the recovery for those races was pretty long, and. It was expensive to do with all the driving and stuff. Also, you also always had to be there a day before to do pre-ride, which, which I was never was able to do, which hurt during the races. Um, and then I haven't really been able to go mountain biking at all because I moved to Sun Prairie and there's not much mountain biking around the area. I saw some Nike kids in the park. Yeah, biking. there's like a two-mile track in town. Well, let's go shred it. Yeah. I've never actually. Could, been there we yet. could probably honestly ride on road bikes. I'm yeah, I'm, I was actually once cyclocross came around, I was actually going to go train there. But guess what? I bet it has a sick KOM. Probably that we got to get. Probably cyclocross is coming up. It is. Are it you is. excited for cyclocross? I'm very excited. Yeah. Especially because Anna is moving to Waukesha in about two weeks. Oh, so two now we got weeks. a place to live. So we got a place I mean, to stay. stay. <laughs> and she's going, she's moving to a nice place that's also oh, on the Waukesha nice. Crit course. Oh, party there next year. Yeah, so party at Anna's yeah. house. Yeah, we're going to be we're gonna be pouring, pouring drinks right Champagne. above, right above Main Street. Yeah. Champagne. Champagne. Nice. I'm excited for Cyclocross. It's, after a whole year of like road racing and crit racing, it's kind of nice just to like do a race where you just don't really have to think during the race. Yeah. It's like, you just go as hard as you can go yep. for 45 minutes, and then that's your race. Yeah. Besides that, a um, few new goals for... Yeah, what are your goals? What are you doing? Uh, there's a stage race in Delfield, Wisconsin, yep. coming up in a few weeks. Yep. It's two days, three races. I'm going to aim for that. And then... And you're, you're going to be doing that with I'm going to do that as well, yeah. And yep. then after that... Rick and I are planning on going to St. Louis yep. for Gateway Cup. Planning on all it. four days. Should be fun. Maybe I'm we looking do forward some to podcasting that. there. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. If anyone is interested in that, Airbnbs are super cheap in St. Louis. Hopefully, still are cheap on that weekend. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, I was looking around and they're like sixty bucks a night 
for downtown St. Louis. Nice, nice apartment. Downtown, nice. Yeah. Okay, we could probably ride at the races. And then it's only like $45 per race, so it's actually cheaper than like Toad or Intelli. Nice. Okay, that's good. Yeah. And then after that, Cyclocross. Because Cyclocross, cyclocross starts like two weeks after. Yeah. Cyclocross is around the corner. Yeah. I'm not going to say it. Time. I'm not going to say it. But it, it is around the corner. Okay. It is exciting. Yeah, I'm. I actually am very excited for cyclocross season. Um, it's just fun, I guess. You know, it's really fun. It is fun. It's just fun. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of races in Wisconsin. There is. If There's you, like thirty. If you're across, like I feel like every state has like their thing, that's that they do best. Yeah. And I feel like Wisconsin probably does cross races best and mountain biking. We had the best mountain I bike. I think races they do mountain bike races good good i think because if you think about it the best mountain bike races are probably on the east coast or the west coast it's actually the the largest war series well the series like the series is really series. good itself yeah. i'm just talking about like the terrain oh right? okay so like but a cyclocross race typically the best terrain for that is like farm fields and stuff yeah with like short punchy climbs yeah that's wisconsin man that is wisconsin that's like i think we have the best cross courses in Definitely the Midwest. Wisconsin's probably the closest to like a European, like Belgium. Yeah, like a Belgium weather wise, race. I'd say so. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, we have pretty similar terrain. Uh huh. So that's what I mean by like I think I think Wisconsin does cyclocross the best. They do that. Do yeah. that pretty well. I I did like a whole like season of it and I had a blast. It was a lot of fun. Hmm. Yeah. Do you have any goals for a cyclocross season? Um, any or is it just? Racing? I do not. Um, You've only done one cross race before, right? I've only done one cross race and took fourth place. Nice. I should have taken second, but I crashed out in the last lap. Oh, crashed in the last lap where I got, because I went on a breakaway and got and crashed. There's and no breakaways in cross. Yeah. Um, so I don't even know if I'm going to start off, because I think I'm still a cat four. Yeah, man. So win, some, might, win some prize money. <laughs> I might do like one cat four race and see where I'm at. Yeah. And if... Uh, I beat everyone just going up to threes. Uh-huh. Then you can so, race with me in the threes. Yeah. Threes are, like, really competitive, i found. Isn't it, like, a really big field? Um, Fours were a huge field. Really? So, oh, so maybe okay, I should so start in fours. I did, I did the, um, what was it called? The Trek Cyclocross Cup two years ago, before it was a World Cup, and we had 120 riders in our Cat 4 field. Wow. I got the 80th call-up. I went from 80th to second on the first lap and I blew up because of it like it was epically blown up I think I got eighth but it was like just I died a thousand deaths it was really hot too okay but yeah it was that's a cool race the the Trek CXC so I want to cup this year again yep yep the amateur races are kind of expensive but they're like 40 or 50 bucks Yes, I'd okay. say it's worth it because you get to ride on a World Cup course. Fair enough. That's pretty pretty sweet. Yeah. All right. I think that's it. I think Unless that's you it got anything else? No. Yeah. I'll wrap just it up. at about an hour. So we added a little extra since we haven't we didn't do this last week. That's right. Yep. We're giving everybody a little a uh, little more time for their time. Yep. All right. You know, what I thought we could start doing is What's giving that? out our Strava. So. You don't I don't really get put a lot on Strava. Oh, I put everything on Strava. I, I can start putting stuff on Strava. Yeah. All right. I'll... You can follow me on Strava, Ryan Gerard. Give out my last name. God. That's Ryan Gerard, G-I-R-O-U-A-R-D. We're giving out last names? Yeah. We're at All that right. point. We're 10 episodes in. Fine. You can follow me on Strava, 
Rick Grunewald, but you got to figure out how to spell my last name. There you go. And then you can find me. Yeah. Yeah. Find us at some races too. Mm-hmm. We're probably going to be doing some more live podcasts at the races with the road season kind of wrapping up. And with cyclocross. And with cyclocross yeah. too. We'll be That'll at the be races. Yeah. Should be, should be a blast. Yeah. Um, all, for any of you St. Louis area listeners, if you guys have anywhere to stay, yeah, if you want to put us up, hit us up. Yeah, yeah, that would be pretty sweet. Well, you can be in our podcast. We'll podcast with you. Yeah, that's the price of free. Well, maybe we'll. I don't know. Yeah, just hit us up. Yeah, we'll work something cool. out. Um, social media shout outs. Do we have any of those today? We can probably we can probably skip that. Yeah, we can counter Strava's social media shout outs. There today. you go. That's our social media. All right. Uh, don't forget to uh, review. This review this podcast like, because the first person to do it will be the winner of some pink bar tape. That's right, which you have to pick up at a race. At a race, yes. just come find me at a race, <laughs> or come over, or come over, and I'll give you a beer if you come over. And you can be on the podcast. And you can be on the podcast. We're soliciting guests now. There you go. Yeah. Who wants to do it? We're like, yeah. I mean, not a lot of podcasts will just let you be on the podcast. Nope. But nope. That's that's so you could call us desperate, but we're not. We're not. No, we're okay. We're fine. Yeah, we're fine. Yeah. I mean, you gotta contend a little bit with uh, some congestion in our area. The building right across the street oh, from yeah. Ryan actually mm-hmm. blew up like last week. There was a gas leak. It, it was actually kind of sad. Yeah. So two buildings. Uh, you gotta find us. Were destroyed. Mm-hmm. The road was destroyed. Crazy. Yeah. All right. We're really rambling. We should probably right, wrap yeah. it up. All right. Thanks for listening. You yeah. can find us on iTunes and Stitcher now. That's correct. You can find us on Facebook. Like and follow us on Facebook. Leave a comment if you like the episode. Give us a rating on iTunes or Stitcher. Yep. We're always happy to hear back from you guys. And until next time. We'll see you in two weeks. See you in two weeks. All right. Bye thanks now. for listening. <laughs>